Mike. Lauren. Mike, when is the last time you felt compelled to buy a brand new smartphone? I think it was 2018. So that was about 17 years ago at this point. (laughs) Feels like it, yeah. Why? What at that time made you want to buy a new one? I had an iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, It wouldn't hold a charge anymore. It was like three years old at that Mm -hmm. point. And um, I would charge it and it would die after about 90 minutes. So I was like, okay, I guess I have to buy a new phone. That was the only reason I really felt compelled to upgrade. Everything else about it was fine. Uh, And the features in the new phones that were coming out were just like not enticing. Well, a lot of people are feeling that way right now. Because smartphone sales are down, like really down. I think we may have reached peak smartphone. Somewhere, Tim Cook just did 100 extra push-ups and vowed to make it not so. (laughs) All right, we're going to talk about exactly that. Well, maybe not exactly that today, but we're going to talk about phones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And we're joined today by the excellent Boone Ashworth, (laughs) who you normally know as the producer of this podcast, but who is also a staff writer at Wired and had the pleasure of covering a big smartphone launch event this morning. Boone? Welcome to the mic. Hello. It's good to be over here facing this direction instead of the other wall. (laughs) I have a feeling that after this, people in our uh, review section of our podcast are going to say, bring back Boone. Yeah. We want more Boone. Yeah. Boone Ashworth Encore. Uh, I'll be silencing all of those voices, <laughs> deplatforming all of those commenters. Boom, for... congratulations on your promotion. Oh, thank you. Wait, oh, can I make more money now? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So later in the show, we're going to talk about that smartphone event I just mentioned. But first, we're going to talk about smartphones in general. Because just a few years ago, it might have felt essential to at least consider the latest smartphone because maybe the camera was that much better the screen was that much smoother and brighter, or the processor was that much more powerful for playing games. Or, you know, maybe being stuck at home in a pandemic meant that you wanted the best tech that you could possibly get. But things in smartphone land have changed a lot. So earlier this month, the market research firm IDC reported that global smartphone shipments plunged in the last quarter of 2022, which was pretty notable because that's a time period that typically includes a lot of holiday shopping. And while more than a billion phones still shipped around the world for the entire year of 2022, it was the lowest annual number of smartphone shipments since, wait for it, 2013. Really? Yes. So there are obviously a lot of macroeconomic factors to consider, right? On the demand side, people are feeling the effects of inflation. They might not be as eager to buy new stuff. On the supply side, there are some ongoing supply chain disruptions and phone makers may be adjusting their shipments because of this weak demand and built up inventory. But there's an element of all this that we at Gadget Lab are uniquely qualified to discuss, which is the phones themselves, right? Like what is it about these phones that don't make them as enticing as you said in the beginning, Mike? So Mike and Boone, have we reached peak smartphone? Uh, well, I mean, what more do we really want our phones to do? Not to be a complete curmudgeon coming on the gadget lab, but like my phone can do just about everything that I want it to do. And, and like this Samsung event, not to not to, you know, get to the part we're going to talk about later too quickly, but they touted a bunch of new camera features and whatnot. But I'm not filming cinematic movies on my phone anytime soon. Um, maybe some people are, but I just like it feels like we've gotten to the point where just phones can do everything that I want them to do in my life. 
I, I, th I think what I personally have been wanting from my phone is for it to take less of my attention and less of my time. Um, if it could automate some things on the back end to make my life a little easier, then then I, I you know, would get something new. But I don't think that we need like incredible new hardware to do do stuff like that. It's a lot of like iterative software changes that I think we're seeing. Um, but I just I don't. The screens are amazing. The cameras are wonderful. <laughs> like what I, I not to not to like limit my imagination too much here, but what more do we want? Yeah. You know, you say you're not shooting cinematic movies on, on your phone, but, you know, you could be shooting cinematic movies on your phone and they would look fantastic. And of course, you don't need like a, you know, Galaxy S23 to shoot an amazing cinematic movie. If you had like a, a Pixel 3 or like an iPhone 11, you could shoot a movie that looks contemporary with what you would get from one of the high-end phones now. And I think that's, you know, what you're getting at is that like all of the stuff that we have now hardware-wise is fine. And I think we, to answer your question, Lauren, I, I think that we have reached peak hardware for sure. We have not yet reached peak software. Sure. What are the software elements that you are still waiting for? Well, I mean, photo is a good place to look. Right. Because whenever we see a new smartphone and they talk about the camera, they spend half the time talking about the uh, optical image stabilization and talking about the the lens elements and talking about, you know, the the different types of sensor technology that they've come up with. And then they spend the other half of the presentation talking about how this new AI chip that they put in their phone is assisting us in taking better photos, better low light photos, correcting flaws in our photos, unblurring old photos, like doing all this amazing stuff. That's all software. So like, I think we're just on the cusp of that stuff becoming incredibly useful. And soon it will become like indispensable. You won't be able to take photos that look on par with other devices unless you have all that AI stuff crammed into the software that's powering your camera. I think we're already there. You do? Yeah, especially at the high end. I don't know if you guys do this. Maybe this is a little bit creepy, but whenever anybody texts me a photo, like we're just having a text message conversation and they say, you know, here's my here's a glimpse of my day. Here's the pastry I just ate or whatever it is. I go into the metadata of the photo <laughs> to see which phone they're using. And I think that after, let's say from like iPhone 11 to iPhone 12 felt like a pretty big jump. Maybe Pixel 4 to Pixel 5 also felt like a pretty significant jump. And then since then, if someone has an iPhone 12 Pro Max, to me, the photo looks pretty much the same as it, it does on my iPhone 13 Pro. If you send me a photo, Mike, and you have a Pixel 6, yes, it looks pretty much the same <laughs> as it would on the Pixel 5. Now, granted, there's some compression stuff happening when you're sending stuff, you know, a text message um and uh and it also depends like like google photos like they send you a link to photos oh, it's yeah. really so annoying. so annoying so then you're going into their cloud and there might be some compression but like assuming there. you get like a but, pure version of yes, the photo like a time. raw photo um they all look great same mm -hmm. with all of the samsung photos that we're seeing from the high end of samsung phones and in some cases some mid-range phones too so mm -hmm. and a lot of that is is happening through computational software it's not necessarily based on the sensor size Although that plays into it too, so I, I, I mean, I personally think just think we're like already there, and even what Boone, what you said about how you want us to get to a point where we're using our phones less. How do we do that? Some of that software is already baked into our phones. Companies have been trying digital well-being and screen time and all of that for at least a couple of years now. Oh, oh, I've tried it. And I just, <laughs> how I just, well has oh, it worked? Oh, not not great for me, just because like I, I don't have the discipline. I mean, I know how to turn 
the the timers off. You know, you guys have talked about that before on the yeah. show. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. have well-being timers come up, and I'm like, oh, I've been on Instagram for half an hour. Cool. I'm going to turn this timer off. So I mean, <laughs> that's that's just that's just on me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I the, the thing about it, like, it seems like whenever we're talking about smartphones, we're always talking about the camera. And there's been some really interesting upgrades, like all the stuff they announced at the Samsung event today was a lot of cool stuff. The astrophotography, like I would love to take a decent picture of the moon for once in my life. You know, like that's that's a cool feature to have things like like real tone to get people's skin tones right in photos. Like those are those are really cool adjustments, um, you know, or advancements, I guess. Uh, it just it just feels like I want something more. If, if you're going to like pitch me a new twelve hundred dollar smartphone, I want something more than just camera updates mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. if, if you're if you're trying to make the case for why i should upgrade my two-year-old phone or whatever to to a brand new thing it's got to be more than just i can make slightly cooler pictures right right it's gonna be yeah it's you're due for a battery or like mike mentioned earlier yeah. maybe it's storage increases in storage you realize that you're one of those people who needs a terabyte now mm -hmm. um another factor that I think is part of the whole dip in the smartphone market in general is that the secondary market has gotten really good. We've written mm -hmm. before at Wired about, you know, companies like Back Market. Mm -hmm. um, I was writing this for, I was a little ahead of the curve, guys. I was writing this for Wired back in like 2018 about, you know, how to safely buy a used smartphone so you don't get scammed. Um, you can find some really great secondhand smartphones out there now. And the company, the manufacturers themselves are offering better uh, resale programs yeah. like Samsung mm -hmm. and Apple. And last year's phone is amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's fine. For a lot of people, it's not just good enough. It's better than good enough. Right. Uh, Boone, to go back briefly to something that you were just saying, you know, with phones showing off the camera before everything else, I think it's because everything else is already past that threshold, right? If the battery lasts all day, if your screen refresh rate makes it so that everything just looks smooth and wonderful, and, you know, if... If the the industrial design feels modern, then those are things that like you don't notice. They just are, right? Whereas a camera, because it's like visual information and because it's, you know, very personal, like when people take photos, usually they're very personal mementos. Uh, it's, it's something that you form a stronger emotional reaction to. So if it's not perfect or if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't make you feel good, then it's something that is going to turn you off from the phone, right? So, so it's it's sort of our fault then. We're we're kind of ingrates because like there are a lot of like all day battery. The fact that our phones just last my I have a Google Pic, a Pixel Six or whatever. It lasts like two days. Like I just yeah. take that for granted. There's all this kind of stuff that smartphones have gotten to this point where the things are so good, yeah, um, that they actually work. That yeah, you have to like throw out the flashy camera stuff because everything else we're just like oh yeah i know it lasts for four days or it has whatever crazy battery life or i can you know drop it from a meter and have it land on <laughs> concrete and it's fine like yeah. i we just we've gotten used to that so yeah maybe maybe i'm just spoiled <laughs> the camera can always be better oh sure it can always be better it can okay. always like strike more to the core of your being mm -hmm. than a battery life see my soul can exactly <laughs> yeah. have you guys read about the rumored iPhone 16, which is not the next generation, it's the generation after that, that supposedly is going to have a periscope camera. Yes, I did hear about this. When I picture this, I picture it's a phone that's like a little motorboat and you, <laughs> you're in the water with it <laughs> and you're underwater with it because it's underwater rating is so good at that point. And there's just a tiny little periscope <laughs> that sticks up from the top above the surface. It's like, like a submarine, but a phone. I'm not sure that's what they no, mean. No, it isn't. Mike, tell us what it <laughs> that's means. Adorable. 
Um, a periscope camera is a camera that uses a tiny prism inside the camera to move the light from the lens onto the sensor. Instead of in a normal camera design, the light goes through the lens and hits the sensor pretty much directly. Uh, a periscope camera increases the focal length, which is like a very nerdy, it's a good thing to have increased focal length or to have mm -hmm. more control over your focal length because then you can have more control over the the different elements of your photo. Hmm. Yeah. I take it all back. That's what phones need. Prisms. Yeah, more prisms. More prisms. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just picturing the Dark Side of the Moon logo. <laughs> <laughs> it is the, 30, the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, happy so that anniversary. Would be, that would be fitting. Look, I'm saying if we want to turn this into a Pink Floyd podcast, I'm completely down. Like, let's just Me do too. this for two hours. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, um, we'll we'll be discussing Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> Episode 1, 1965 <laughs> we'll and 1966. <laughs> we'll be right back. Despite the global decline in smartphone shipments, Samsung is still number one. It holds 22% of the entire global market. Now here in the US, we're pretty iPhone centric, but around the world, Android dominates. And Samsung has established itself at both the high end of the market and with some pretty decent mid-range phones. So earlier today, both Boone and I headed over to an event space in San Francisco to see Samsung launch its latest premium phone, which is part of the Galaxy line. Boone, Give people the news. Okay. That's well, how I'm going to start every podcast from now on. Give people the news. <laughs> awesome. All right. Put on my best newscaster <laughs> voice. Uh, well, there's three new phones. Uh, they're all called the S Galaxy S23. There's the S23, the S23 Plus, and the S23 Ultra, which is the big mega phone with, I think, like five camera lenses. Mm -hmm. um, it's a thick phone. Yeah. it's mm -hmm. it, it was surprisingly light when mm -hmm. I held it in the, in the testing area afterwards, but... I don't know. Maybe I'm just not used to phones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. They they are they're very similar. If you are familiar with the S22, a lot of similar features uh, that have carried over. The Ultra has this new 200 megapixel camera, which is just insane, and it has all this like raw photo processing and quad pixel technology to make your photos better in low light and better taking astrophotography type stuff. Um, the other cameras also have three lenses on them. They've got a telephoto lens, a regular lens that has like 10 times zoom on it and then an ultra wide. So kind of standard phone stuff. Does it have a headphone jack? <laughs> no. <laughs> Were you surprised to learn that it does not have a headphone jack? <laughs> we should bring that question back in 2023. Every I single phone launch. Completely agree. Yeah. That's on honestly, that's one of my things. Like if I want phones to get better, like just give me a headphone jack back. Give me a headphone jack. Give me a micro mm -hmm. SD card slot mm -hmm. so I can put like if I want to upgrade to get a new phone to get a terabyte of storage, I'll just put my own little card in there anyway. Yeah. Samsung <laughs> stopped putting SD card slots in its phones a couple of years ago. And that was very contentious, mm -hmm. almost as a contentious move as the uh, removal of the headphone jack. Yeah. So I watched Unpacked here at the office a mile and a half away from the actual event. And it felt like most Samsung press conferences where it was uh, kind of stiff, uh, not really that fun. It lost its steam after about the first 20 minutes. But I'm curious as to what it felt like in the room. It's clubby. Clubby? It's Yeah. So... Samsung events are always clubby. They have very dark, dramatic lighting. Uh, it's a lot of... Mm, 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 oh, mm, you mean like clubby? Cl yeah, like mm -hmm. clubby. By the way, the event space that we were at, I have a question for you, yeah. Mike. Yeah. How do you pronounce where we were? The Masonic Auditorium. See? 
He says Masonic. We were having this conversation with Alicia Kochi, our social video producer, who also joined us at the Samsung event today. And she says her partner calls it the Masonic. And she asked me and I said, no, it's the Masonic. And she says Masonic. And then our Uber driver said Masonic. And yeah. so now we're thinking it's actually divided along gender lines. I say it's because Masonic. every guy. <laughs> and, I mean, and the Masons. Boone just kept going, the Moose. The Masons are like a patriarchal organization, so a, aren't they? Well, but but even what you just said is Mason. Yeah, and there's Mason the Street, Masonic. and it's a Mason Hall. So it's the Masonic. But when you talk about the organization, it's Masonic. It's that it, sounds like Messianic. English is weird. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, how did you, how did you think the Masonic the Masonic felt today, Boone? Oh, it's so different being on this side of the mic. I can't just be like, stop, <laughs> retake. Um, <laughs> Uh, I thought it was, you know, it was definitely one of the top two tech events that I've ever been to. I How think. many have you been to? Two. <laughs> so this was the, this was the second event. The first one that I went to uh, was Samsung Galaxy Unpacked in February of 2020. That was my first actual tech event. And I was like, okay, this is what these are like. And then. <laughs> Boone said, do they first, take your temperature at every tech yeah, event? Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, there weren't a lot of them over the last three years. So now back at this one, it, it felt like, uh, yeah, if. Honestly, there was less people there than I expected. It, mm -hmm. it was it was loud and I don't know. It was it was a tech event. It was it was a big infomercial. Um, I kept finding myself like when I would zone out and then everybody would start clapping. I would start to clap and then I just like, I'm, nope, I don't work here. What am I doing? Like, why am I clapping for these people? <laughs> so yeah, tech a... events are weird. We talked about this the last like this was one of the first podcasts that I you like, actually let me on and we talked yeah. about how weird it was. And I, I don't think my opinion has changed very much. I still think they're strange. They're like just a fundamentally weird thing. The presentation itself was a very clean 59 minutes. Mm -hmm. And in that time, they not only discussed the new Samsung Galaxy phones, but also a couple of new laptops and some sustainability initiatives. And they brought on Google, their software partner, and they talked a little bit about AR and VR. And of course, they talked about their partnership with Qualcomm, um, because it's Qualcomm chips that are powering these new phones. And that's a lot of ground to cover in just under an hour. And so you're only really getting high level updates and it's very easy to feel as though you've heard it all before mm -hmm. like they show the different cores of their you know neural processing unit in this graphic on stage and they're saying how it's enabling all of these artificial intelligence features and look here's a sliding tool that shows you the before photo and the after photo and it's slightly <laughs> brighter and that, I mean, it might as well be, you know, 2020, 2021 smartphone event. Yeah. Um, you really need to dig down deeper or talk to some experts in these fields to get a sense of what is new. It sort of feels like everybody's just waiting it out until their mixed reality headsets out. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's all these Apple rumors about Apple's new headset coming out. It seems like Samsung is also keen to be making mm -hmm. a headset, you know, by bringing Qualcomm and, and Google, um, you know, having that partnership. They, they talked about wanting to make a mixed reality wearable something. So like, it, it seems like that's coming. And I think companies are they seem to be very aware of that. Both Apple and Samsung and Google, like they. I think they know that their phones are having iterative updates and they need something else. They need another form factor to get people excited again. And I think there's putting a lot of eggs into the VR basket. And that kind of feels like where we are right now is we're just sort of waiting until they're finally like, OK, here's our VR headset that actually works and doesn't make you look stupid. 
Yeah. Are we going to get there? I don't mm-hmm. know. This this <laughs> happens a lot, I think, whenever there's like an impending Apple announcement, you know, the yeah. same type of thing happened around like when the iPad was coming and everybody knew the iPad was coming. And then a couple months before the iPad came, there were all these tablet announcements and people mm-hmm. talking about things that they're planning. They're planting their flag, basically saying like, we're not going to be left behind in this race. Mm-hmm. We are here and we are ready. We just don't have anything to show you yet because there's no hardware. And and, and Samsung, Samsung did that a bit too. I mean, they, they, it felt very Apple-y. You know, they had Ridley Scott, famous filmmakers doing filming videos on the the Ultra phones and whatnot. Their new laptops and the phones sync together, so you can like drag and drop and copy and paste from your phone onto your computer, which feels very Apple-y. Samsung kind of went in on its ecosystem a little bit, or at least was like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make the case for you to have, you know, get both a uh, Galaxy phone and the mm-hmm. Ultra laptop, so that they yeah. would all work together. So they're they're definitely doing the Apple-y type thing, um, and I think you know maybe when a headset comes out, we'll we'll see how closely aligned they are there too. And mm-hmm. as you were saying that, when you said, "Oh, they had Ridley Scott make a movie," my brain went to John Chu because John Chu made a movie for iPhone or on the iPhone. Yep. A few years ago, and we covered that for Wired. And then when you said, "Oh, and they're showing people dragging and dropping and starting an application on their on their phone, their Galaxy phone, and then opening it on their Samsung tablet," I thought, um, "Oh, continuity, yeah, mm-hmm. like on iPhone uh, and Mac." So yeah, in that sense, the the feature set felt very similar to what Apple might have announced. I mean, I think feature parity is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, because then people can not really feel a lot of pressure to like upend their life and switch operating systems. And it's also, it's nice to know that, you know, if the other person has something fancy, you're also getting something fancy. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is that like when these things start to overlap and they they start working cross-platform, then all of a sudden you have too many choices. Like, I was really struck by the commercial that they showed right in the middle. Uh, it, you know, so like these, the way these events go, they'll talk for a bit and then they'll show you what is basically a television commercial oh. and then talk about the product. It was the, um, can you send me that? Mm-hmm. Oh, can you yes. send me that? Right. Where it was like people interrupting concerts to find the woman in the crowd holding the Galaxy S23 Ultra because they know she has the best photo and they say, can you send me that? Right, or and the couple like, uh, proposing the yeah. guy proposing marriage, uh, <laughs> and he turns to the woman who happened to cap- capture the photo and said, oh, could you send me that? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> It's cute. Yeah, it was cute. But at the same time, like, you know, they're showing you their big innovation, which is file sharing between Samsung devices, right? So like now you just have another way to share photos between different devices. And there are like 16 other ways to do that. Mm-hmm. So like things like that, you know, that feels like it's cool that your stuff works together. But at the same time, like, there were all these little innovations that were not really innovations because mm-hmm. they're things that sort of already exist in Android or, mm-hmm. you know, already exist in in just like cloud computing. Like, for example, the security dashboard, you know, they made a big show mm-hmm. of the security dashboard mm-hmm. on and Samsung. Yeah, you can you can bring your phone to a repair tech and like basically shut down part of your phone. So yeah. whoever's working on your phone can't see your personal information or even yeah. whatever apps you've downloaded, like which banking app you're using. Yeah, it's like a valet key mm-hmm. for your phone. Right. And that's cool. But also, you know, like the digital well-being tools, which we just talked about, those are in every phone. So like that's not necessarily as innovative. One thing we should talk about really quickly is the smart home, because one of the areas in which Samsung really stands out from Apple and Google is in the home. It makes a lot of home appliances. Several years ago, it acquired the SmartThings smart home company and still uses that brand to launch new products. Mike, talk about what we saw today. 
The thing that we saw today, which was just hinted at, was something that uh, was announced at CES a couple of, oh, geez, I almost said a couple of months ago. It was literally three weeks ago I sat in the room and watched Samsung <laughs> announce the uh, the Smart Things charging station. So it's a wireless charger and it sits you know, next to your bed or next to your couch. You put your phone on it and it starts charging your phone, but it also sends a signal out to all of your smart home stuff. And you can program any kind of routine into this that you want. But the idea is that you put this thing somewhere where when you sit in that seat, it means you're ready to like chill out, right? You're ready to go to bed. You're ready to sit down and watch a movie. You're ready to not be on anymore because you're putting your phone down to charge and you're not paying attention to it anymore. So the recommended routine is that you put your phone on the smart things hub and it sends out these signals to your smart home to turn the lights down, you know, turn on the- Does the, it do it in that voice? Yeah. Turn on the, the smooth jazz station, you know, um, lower the temperature in the room a little bit or raise the temperature in the room a little bit. You know, whatever your preferred routine is for your chill out, right? Maybe like turn on your TV and start mm -hmm. Netflix or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so like that's interesting because that's a vision of the smart home that people have been talking about for literally 30 years, right? Ambient computing. That it just takes one very simple signal from the human and then does all this stuff in the background. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. That's, what, that, that, that's basically what I was saying earlier is like, I just want to be able to set my phone down and have it do stuff for me. Yeah. Like that, yeah, that's great. If yeah. it works. Yeah. It probably will because Smart Things is a very robust product ecosystem on its own. There are a lot of Smart Things thermostats and lights and stuff like that. And also Matter, the standard is adopted by all the big names. So it should just work. So what I'm gathering from this episode of Gadget Lab is that we have reached peak smartphone, but we do think there's a post-smartphone future in AR, VR, and the smart home. Yes. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all of our coverage from today's event is on Wired.com, as well as Wired's Instagram and Twitter page, where you can see videos of the excellent Boone Ashworth. Mm. In action, hands-on with the phones. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do our recommendations. Boone, as our guest of honor and producer extraordinaire, what's your recommendation? I would like to recommend the movie Barbarian. It is it is a <laughs> no. new movie came out in 2022. It's currently available on HBO Max and I just watched it last weekend and it is quite good. It is very strange and messed up. It's a horror film. Uh, it's directed by Zach Kreger, who's one of the guys from the early 2000s sketch group Whitest Kids, you know. There's this real interesting reinvention happening where like comedy people are making horror movies like Jordan Peele. You should also watch all Jordan Peele's movies because they're amazing. Um, and this is this is a new one on that front. It's like without giving anything away, it's basically a horror movie about an Airbnb gone wrong. Um, and I I have to say, I saw the preview for this movie and I was just not interested in it at all. It, it looked like kind of a schlocky, you know, I don't know, horror movie that just had a bunch of jump scares in it. And it's like, oh, no, they go into a creepy underground basement or whatever. Like, I feel like I've seen that before. I promise you, you have not seen this one before. It is very weird and very funny. Who's but in it? It's starring Georgina Campbell, uh, 
one of the scars guards is in it. Um, I'm in. Uh, Justin Justin Long, Justin Oscar worthy performance. Yeah. Wait, which scars guard? Uh, Bill Bill scars. Bill the father. Is that mm, the father? No. Or is it the brother? The father's Stellan. Oh right. <laughs> Right, there was that onion headline recently. Like that was like Nordic actor forgets which Skarsgård brother he is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Very, very um, true. Um, anyway, yeah, hi- highly recommend this movie. Um, it is, it de- very much has the trope of like you're going to be shouting at your TV screen, like, Don't, "Why are you going in there?" Yeah. Uh, but it, it, a little bit of suspension of disbelief, and then the movie takes several turns that I was not ready for. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I love horror movies. And I went into it thinking it was just going to be like, okay, here's another horror movie. And it is far from just another horror movie. Yeah. yeah. I know that, you know, there's, it, it, ha- it did not receive universal praise, but I think those people are, are just um, spoiler sports and they don't enjoy fun. Yeah, it, it is, <laughs> it is not a perfect movie, but it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a, it was a good time. One of so. the, one of the better horror movies I've seen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not a bunch of cheap jump scares. I, I like I don't like horror movies where they're just like they throw a thing at you. Like I like it when they builds this horrifying sense of dread. And there was there was some really horrifying stuff in this movie. <laughs> Boone, thanks for that recommendation. Uh, I'll check it out, but maybe not just before bedtime. Mike, what's your recommendation? Uh, something to go with your watching of late night horror movies right before bedtime. Okay. Some hot sauce. Hot sauce. Yeah. Actual hot sauce. Actual hot sauce. Uh, I tried this hot sauce recently. My lovely wife bought it for me for my birthday. It's called Sichuan Gold. And it's by the company Fly by Jing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fly by Jing makes a lot of really great uh, Sichuan sauces. They make a, a Sichuan chili crisp. They make a, a mala powdery spice mix that I use all the time. Uh, this is a basically like a hot chili oil. So it has the numbing, spicy Sichuan peppercorns, and then it has very hot, regular peppers, hot peppers in it. Uh, so you get the you get the heat, and you get the numbing, and it's delicious. What have you used it with? Um, I put it on just about everything. Well, also, I should mention that I only eat foods that serve as delivery vehicles for hot sauces. Right. This is yeah, we know this about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is why I'm not a big soup guy, but <laughs> you can have a good spicy soup, but it's not nearly as good as like, you know, a bagel with hummus on it. I put it on, I make a lot of like tofu rice bowl kind of dishes. I put it on that. Um, I I put it on uh, some vegan mac and cheese. It's just delicious on anything vaguely Asian or anything with a lot of like umami flavor. It really just gives it a, a, a nice kick. And where can people find it? You can buy it online. It's a small company, so they don't have great distribution, but you can get it in a lot of like specialty food stores, like, you know, your your fancy grocery store, maybe not like your Safeway or your, or your Vons or your Albertsons or whatever people have not in California. Um, it, but you can uh, you can also just order it online. I think it's $14 for a bottle to, to get it shipped uh, to anywhere in North America. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's That's a hot recommendation. <gasps> thank you. It's it's uh, It comes from the show Hot Ones, First We Feast. Do you know this show? It's fantastic. It's one of the best talk shows ever. It's on YouTube. And the, two, the, the host and the guest sit down and they eat progressively hotter chicken wings while the host asks the guest questions about their career. We should do that here. We should do that on this show. 
Well, I think they've already kind of cornered it, but I would be open to that. I absolutely would. I really like this emerging genre of YouTube series that have to do with chicken or chicken shops. Mm -hmm. Is it YouTube? I don't know. There's that the chicken shop date woman. Yep. I think Love she's on, her series. Maybe on TikTok. I don't even Might know. Might be TikTok. I think I've seen it on Instagram too. It's she's all just fantastic. screen. I stopped saying like on phone, on television. I just yeah, say it's on. on I screen. saw this thing on screen, on screen the other day. Yeah. It depends on if it's like a 50 inch screen or a six inch yeah. screen. You just set your phone down and it all starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is also somewhat in the category of horror films on HBO Max. Uh, the show is not sponsored by HBO Max. I recommend checking out Navalny, a documentary that is nominated for an Oscar. It is currently streaming on HBO Max. It was uh, made uh, in conjunction with CNN Films. And it is about the Russian opposition leader who uh, was poisoned by the Kremlin a few years back, survived miraculously, rehabilitated in Germany. And then upon his return to Moscow, uh, was promptly arrested again and is currently in jail in Russia. But uh, he's a really, really compelling figure. And um, one of the more interesting parts of the documentary I found as a journalist is that um, during the time that he is rehabilitating with his family and some of his business associates, his campaign associates in, uh, in Germany, uh, he is sort of on a mission to find out who poisoned him. And he decides to work with Bellingcat which is this group of uh, really obsessive data journalists who um, help him pinpoint exactly who was behind the poisoning, which he suspects is, you know, the Kremlin or people associated with the Kremlin and Putin, but uh, wasn't able to prove until, you know, the, he sort of teamed up with Bellingcat. And uh, watching their process is really, is really interesting. Um, yeah, I just found it to be a super fascinating documentary. And I, uh, I very much recommend checking it out. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's Navalny on HBO Max. Watch it after Barbarian to uh, as a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, good double. Feature. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess, suppose it is a palate cleanser. Although uh, after that it movie, it would, you... <laughs> it would be right. a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, maybe it would be. I don't. I don't know if I'd call it quite that, but not um, not incredibly uplifting. Sure. So yeah, all right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you, Boone, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. This is super fun. We're going to send you to a smartphone event every week. Oh, thank God. (laughs) 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 Well, maybe if it really is peak smartphone, there won't be a smartphone event every week. Uh, Yeah, they're all going to hear this show, and then they're going to say, that's it. We're not doing the events anymore. (laughs) We're done. done. We quit. They convinced us. Enjoy your six-year-old batteries, suckers. Talk to you in five years when we have a VR headset. And thanks to all of you for listening, especially if you've made it this far. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. We're still there. Just check the show notes. Our producer is the man behind the mic today, Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now. We'll be back next week. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take Podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life, or why China's targeting the US dollar, and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.